This week on Retronauts, you can win friends with salad. everybody, I'm your host for this episode of Retronauts, Bob Mackey, and today's topic is Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom. Yes, we've gotten your letters and your phone calls. We're finally doing an episode on this classic game that everyone loves and knows about. Before I continue, who is here with me today in this room in, uh, what city are we in? Uh, National Harbor. Is that really a city? Mm, or is it more of a... It's like the Vatican. Okay. We can also see Las the Washington Vegas. Monument from the window. We just say Washington. It's more okay. of a series of strip malls, but uh, I'm Bob <laughs> Mackey. Who's here with me? Oh, hi. I'm Jeremy Parrish. Uh, I am best served with lime and tonic. Mm. And who else is here? I'm Chris Sims, and I am ready to reboot this property. Huh. Oh, me too. It has been fallow far too long. Oh, I see what you did there. 30 years. And who else is here? Try to look away. It's Nina Matsumoto. Wait, what did you say? Try to look away. Try to look, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> it's the, a the, reference. The classic fighting system <laughs> yes, in this game. Yes, which is very Japanese. The combat system this <laughs> and game. And hard to localize. They tried their best. They did try their best. Hi. But I asked for this podcast, by true. the way. <laughs> uh, this was Nina's request. She's our special guest <laughs> for this episode. And I asked her, you're going to be in town for Retronauts? Or are you going to be at this convention for Retronauts? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? She gave me a list of topics. And... I have a connection with this game, and she does as well. And it's a classic adventure game, and one of the first that I played, and possibly, um, no, it's not the first that was released in America for the uh, NES, but um, it's a very formative game in my opinion. It's Princess Tomato and the Salad Kingdom. Actually, It it might be my first adventure game ever. I I should qualify that. Um, It was the first Japanese adventure game, I believe, uh, to make it over to the uh, United States. And that's why I think it's an important game. Mm-hmm. And it's just so weird. I think it merits talking about. And um, where, where does uh, Shadowgate fall into your East-West rubric? Because those, it was those it was, are uh, developed by a Japanese company, but they're ports of an American right. uh, game. So I don't count those. They're they're Hapa. Is that half, half American, half Japanese? Did you say Hapa? Hapa. Is that a, a, a term? Yeah, it's like okay. slang for. I've yeah. never heard that before. Yeah. It, isn't it a Hawaiian term? I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm a big fan of in- adventure games in general, and I feel like this kind of sparked my love for adventure games. Uh, I, I can't... I'm not, I'm not sure if this is my first adventure game or if Maniac Mansion was. Hmm. Maniac Mansion was definitely my first, or, but this came uh, right after. I also uh, used to play Commodore 64 when I was younger, and there was Killed Until Dead, which is a murder mystery adventure game. Uh, but Princess Tomato was like the first uh, adventure game I played all the way through. I never really finished Maniac Mansion. It was too hard for me back then. It was too hard. I was just a little kid. <laughs> Does anyone else have experience with this game at all? Um, mostly what I know of it is that the forums that used to be affiliated with, well, forums that are still associated with the site that I used to run, my personal blog, uh, Talking Time, uh, had Let's Plays, and someone did a Let's Play of this game in thorough detail, which was very funny. And turned Percy into like our forum mascot for years, <laughs> and he still shows up like peeping around from from things, and like they created new emojis based on him wow. and like sprite That's art. Great. It's like he was a phenomenon in our forums for for years. This was like a decade ago. Percy is quite a character. He's pretty memorable for this the game. Worst. I, well, I he's the worst. He's the worst. Yes, I agree. But I also love how he's a very Japanese fruit. He's a persimmon, which most people. Especially most kids back then didn't did not know what a what the hell a persimmon I was. I still have never seen one or had one in my life. It's delicious. They're good. They're good. Yeah. Good. yeah, and like I have a um, friend who lives in Alameda who has a persimmon tree. It's very <laughs> nice. When uh, Arino played it on Game Center CX, uh, he made a joke about like who puts a persimmon in a salad. But I did that myself. Mm. I put a persimmon in a salad. It's really good. I recommend it. Interesting. Pickled yeah. persimmons are very very good. I don't know where to buy them. Dry but, persimmons are good too. But Chris, do you have any experience with this game at all? No. Okay. Uh, I was here for color commentary. Yes. <laughs> I remember seeing it because it has a very distinctive cover. It's got that, that not clay claymation, style. but it's, it's yeah, clay. no, it's, it's the, <laughs> like the diorama style, diorama, yeah. which yeah. is very popular on, on Japanese covers for 8-bit games. Like there's so many of those that I just love and you didn't see a lot it's of that It's really here. cool, but it's the, diff- it's different from the Famicom cover for this game. The which Famicom is, cover yeah. is like drawn, which is, that, is also cool. Is that why the first issue of Nintendo Power had a clay cover? It Maybe? could be, yeah. I yeah. mean, that was a East West collaboration, yeah. also. The uh, I- the localized English cover for this game was used as a flyer, the ad flyer for Princess Tomato in Japan. Yeah, hmm. uh, but yeah, I never ended up playing it. I just remember seeing it because it looked 
because it was a photograph, I think in my head, I associated it more with movies in the mid eighties VHS era. It has like a 1960s Viewmaster slide yeah. look to it. It's it looks really like great. they're going to teach you about Jesus. No, it looks like, it looks like Snoopy <laughs> like is going to shoot down the red Baron using salad. Exactly. Princess tomato exactly. veggie tails. Yeah. It looks like a Rankin Bass special based on the NES cover mm-hmm. art. You know sure. what? This is one of the few times where I actually prefer the NES cover art to the Japanese really? cover art. Yeah. Okay. Like they're both cool. I like both, but I just, I can't, um, I can't get over my love of like just photographs of uh, clay figures of characters. You want to hug the clay Percy? <laughs> <Or put laughs> I him do. In your pocket. <laughs> as much as I hate Percy as a character, uh-huh. he is uh, huggable and lovable in clay form. I think Percy's fine, just fine. I'm also not an adventure game guy. Like I, I, they do not click with me mm. because the, the the logic required for adventure games is very specific, and I think if it clicks with you, then you love those games, and if it doesn't. You can't get through them. I will say that this is cut from the mold of mid-80s Japanese PC adventure games, Mm -hmm. which is very different than like Sierra Online early 80s PC adventure games. It's not nearly as punishing. It's not nearly as like, oh, you forgot to do this one insignificant, (laughs) uh, unintuitive thing (laughs) 10 minutes into the game. Well, 20 hours later, you can't complete the game. Sorry. You're talking about Sierra, right? Yes. Sierra yeah. games are all yes. like that. Yeah, which is why I prefer LucasArts to Sierra games. Me too. Like King's Quest series is like notorious for that. It's terrible. But one thing that's great about LucasArts games, you can't die. So you don't feel mm-hmm. like you're punished for trying everything. In most of them, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. And when you die in like Maniac Mansion or Monkey Island, it's an Easter egg. It's like you have to work hard to mm, die in yeah. those games. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is this is more in the style of, you know, the, the PC adventure explosion that happened after Protopia Serial Murder Adventure by Yuji Horii, uh, yeah. uh, where it's much more about talking to people and going through all your dialogue options. Like and Phoenix then, Wright, which I do like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. I mean, Phoenix Wright is very much an evolution of that school of the, of game design. And this is this is an early example. Before that, it was mostly like murder murder mm-hmm. uh, yeah. mystery adventure games. Yeah, like yeah. Portopia, like right. you said, and like, what's it called? The... Uh, I can't remember how to say it in English. Like, Ohotsk. Um, is it Jake Hunter? No, no, not, okay. not Saburoji Jinguji or whatever. Yeah. It's like another one by Horiyuji. He did a Famicom adventure murder mystery game. Yeah, called, there's a, there's another one. I can't remember what it's called. Um, mystery of Ohotsk or something. It's like uh, a weird kind of ocean, like north mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Japan, also south of Russia. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's like... Um, it was featuring Game Center CX, which is how I know about it. But yeah, okay. it's, it's kind of similar to Portopia. We're mm-hmm. talking about the influences of this game. Let's get into the history of the game. So it was released in uh, May of 88 in Japan and February of 91 in the U.S. Uh, it was developed by Hudson, I believe released by Hudson in the U.S. as well. Right, but you're talking about the NES version. The NES version, mm-hmm. right. But it, it was previously a PC game. Right, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Yeah, okay, for, okay. It, it was actually released in 84 for mm-hmm. the first time yeah. for various microcomputers. I think like three or four microcomputers. And it was a much different looking game. And that is really where uh, it came about in the wake of the Portopia boom. So 83 mm-hmm. was Portopia. I think 85, the Famicom port of Portopia mm-hmm. is the real big adventure game boom in Japan, but it was still making waves on mm-hmm. microcomputers in the early 80s, earlier than that. And Portopia established this menu-driven adventure game in Japan. I mean, so original Portopia, developed by Yuji Horii, who is the creator of Dragon Quest, original Portopia is has a text-based interface. But the NES version has a menu-based interface because you obviously don't have a keyboard. And that is where almost every Japanese adventure game draws from after uh, that NES port of Portopia. Yeah, I um, I recently interviewed uh, Koichi Nakamura about this, the uh, the guy who runs Spike Chunsoft now. And he was the programmer on Portopia and Dragon Quest and so forth. Okay. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, I asked him, like, what kind of access did you guys have to adventure games uh, you know, before Portopia, like, was there a boom in Japan? Did you guys just import the games? Because those are, you know, it's not like an action game where you just play. Like, they're all based in language and, and have text parsers. And he said, you know, like, um, I I played games like Mystery House in English and, you know, kind of did my best with, with the foreign language, but they were really fascinating and I love to see them. But he said, you know, pretty quickly that Japanese developers started to create their own and uh, the first game that he really, like the adventure game that he really loved was uh, created by ASCII magazine. Hmm. And it was basically just like a, a computer game that you typed into your computer yourself from the back of ASCII magazine. And it was just like an adventure through ASCII's offices. Oh, wow. And so that was, that. I don't know if that was the first text adventure to come from Japan for Japanese-speaking audiences. 
but it was one of the first. And, you know, that, that came along pretty early. So there was kind of immediately this uptake of, of this style of game over there. And kind of like with RPGs, you know, it came from a foreign culture, from a foreign country and a foreign language, but there was enough interest and enthusiasm for it that the local market started developing its own pretty quickly right away. Yeah, but you're right. Cordopia was, with, um, was definitely the big first big hit, kind yeah. of like the Black Onyx was in RPGs. Like the, the first creature to, call, to crawl out of the muck was uh, Mystery House. Like you said, it was the 1980s Sierra Online adventure game that was localized for Japan. I don't know when, but... It was still a text adventure, but there was like a still image per room you were in, mm-hmm. which was a big deal. And uh, the original Princess Tomato was much like that in that it was very angular graphics. It was very much to fit the technology of the time. If you've ever seen old computer games like this, when an image is displayed, it like fills the colors yeah. in. Like yeah, well, it's Mario like, yeah, it's, it's kind of yeah. like drawn and has to be, you know, angular lines because you're going from vector to vector. I think it's, it's, it's cool. I like things. that look. Yeah, it's so, I, mean, I kind of miss that. I'm, I'm old enough that I program basic huh. uh, programs that did that sort of thing. So to me, it's just like, it brings back memories of painfully and slowly watching your image fill in to see if you made any mistakes. Oh, no, I blew it. Oh, it just filled the entire screen with blue. Real-time rendering. Right ha- in front have of you. you seen the full playthrough of the MSX version, by the way? No, I haven't. It's very short. It's like 12 minutes long if you know exactly what to do. Okay. It's so short. I know they added a lot to the NES version. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is also part of an era of Hudson Soft, which I believe Sega owns now, in which... Konami. Oh, Konami. Okay, I forget who owns what, but... They had a mini adventure game uh, era in their development, uh, and it, a lot of this is buried in Japanese research. So uh, basically, everything I know about Hudson's adventure game development, I know through Hardcore Gaming 101, and they also gave a lot of information about the Japanese version of this game. But they released uh, a series before this called uh, Desine, Desine, Desine World and Desine Land. Yeah, it's a French Desine term. Land? <laughs> yeah, uh, like French comics are called Bande Desine. Yeah. And uh, okay. so it's basically... Like it's like a a design or art book. So okay, Disney so is just so like not, art. not just a bootleg of Disneyland. <laughs> I think that could be the the pun they're going for. Then mm, yeah, okay. the rare triple language pun. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, and Tricycle they were pun. they won yeah. the the triple crown. And they were specializing in like comedic adventure games, which is, this very much is. And like Desine Land and Desine World were send-ups of popular theme wow, parks okay. and okay. just parodies of Disneyland and Disney World, but you're doing adventure game stuff in them. And that was basically where they started. I'm sure there's a lot more going on in Hudson's development of that time, but it's very hard to find things in English language about that. Uh, that like microcomputer game development in that era, it's it's like no one has really dug that deep. It's really opaque, yeah. yeah. But uh, there's lots of differences in between the microcomputer version and the NES version, uh, and some big ones we'll get to. Uh, but the NES version, like I said, borrows a lot from the Famicom port of Portopia, where again you don't have a text parser, you can't type in commands. So you have to select verbs from a screen. So I don't know when the Kemco Seika ports of the ICOM games came over, but they very much had the select verb thing. And that, that predates Maniac Mansion as well on computers. But that that had existed beforehand. I want to say those came over in 88 okay. for the NES. So around the same time as this. But yeah, it has a very much uh, a select a verb and then select one of the items on the screen. But you're not moving a cursor around. If you've ever played Snatcher, and I think that... That is probably the game of this vintage that most people have played, even though it's not available. You probably emulated it, but Princess Tomato plays a lot like Snatcher. Okay, well, you're pure still. (laughs) You're pure and holy, but... I borrowed Shane Bettenhausen. Okay, that's the best way to do it. Uh, Find Shane Bettenhausen on the Uh, screen and ask him. He loves Delinda's games out to strangers. Just (laughs) hunt him down. I'm sure. He's got a lot of games, though, so I'm sure he won't mind if you borrow a few. But yeah, it's basically, it just boils down to... Uh, going through every menu option, like talking to everybody, looking at everything, checking everything, and just getting the most out of every variable within the game. And it's different than a Sierra game and a LucasArts game in that you can eventually brute force your way through it because you only have so many available options. So even if you're stuck, there's only so many things you can do in these games. And, yeah, and uh, there's not a lot of opportunities to backtrack. Yeah. Like, you know, in, in, in some nonlinear games, you can get into a place where you're like, you have to do something kind of arcane or obscure, and you're like, I don't know what to do. And then you waste a lot of time backtracking through the entire world, trying every option. This game really is is very strict about sort of cutting you off, and it's very sort of chapter-based. Yes. So you only have so many locations in which to to explore through. And every chapter is self-contained. So they, there's a device in which your psychic character, which we'll get to, he will lose all the items you won't need for the next chapter. Sorry, boss. But, I fell down. But it's <laughs> that's helpful because he's getting rid of all it's the good. red herrings you don't exactly. need. And, yeah. you know, I like that you can't backtrack because... This is a big problem with Sierra games, like mm-hmm. especially yeah. King's Quest, is you can easily find yourself in a dead end where you didn't do like one specific thing like hours ago and then you're screwed. So if you don't have a save file from back then, then good luck. You have to start over. You don't run to 
it was kind of dead ends in this game, which is yeah. great. And, and also, you, there's a password system. So. And if you did, there are checkpoints. In exactly. That, yeah. Thing is a chapter, but yeah, like I mentioned, the psychic character that is something that started in Portopia, which would be in like every every Japanese adventure game where you would have a psychic character because often your main character doesn't talk or you need someone for him or her to talk to. So in this case, it's Percy the Persimmon and things like uh, Ace Attorney. It's Maya. And in the Danganronpa games, you always have like a, a friend character who's always with you to help you solve right. uh, mysteries and stuff like that. So that is very much a trend started by Portopia, the idea of having like a partner character who is often comedic or is often uh, the voice of the game where the main character cannot talk. And in this case, the main character is Sir Cucumber. You don't even see him until the end of the game. I know. So. And then you're like, oh, I look like that? Yeah. Gross. <laughs> I am a, I'm a, a I'm man a with a vegetable head. Yeah. Grotesque cucumber headed guy. I yes. was kind of surprised to find out that it, it does seem like Percy is the voice of the game. Where if you try to pick the wrong option, it's like, boss, you can't do that. Yes, but... It's like, um, you do it, Percy? Well, you call Percy a psychic character, but I think it's only because in the original Japanese version of this, there are no quotation marks. Yeah. So often there is not a, a line drawn between who's speaking and who is a narrator. And I feel like a lot of times it is supposed to be the narrator of the game speaking, but it sounds like Percy is talking almost... And that line is not clear enough, the English localization, unfortunately. So it just feels like Percy knows all the names of all the characters somehow. That's what I choose to believe. Like, whenever you see somebody, it's like, oh, look, it's Mrs. Plum. Oh, it's Octoberry. It's oh, it's the Cherry Birds. It's meant to be a narrator, but yeah. in the English version, it just sounds like Percy knows everybody for mm-hmm. some reason. He's, Which he's makes a social butterfly. Well, social he, persimmon. Like, you don't know where he's been. Maybe he's a he knows baby. Everybody. How does he know everybody? <laughs> he's a little kid. Yeah. He's a country They call him a baby. Who doesn't love <laughs> persimmons? So is this supposed to be kind of like a manzai comedy thing where you, you have like the straight man and then the sort of goofy uh, pratfall um, I wouldn't tendency? say so. Like I actually, to prepare for this recording, I watched all of the Japanese versions of this game and I don't, I didn't really get that vibe. Like, okay. I feel like, uh, like Bob, you brought up Ace Attorney and um, Phoenix in the games is very much a, of a, the straight man part of a manzai group or, or combo. He's a Tukomi and Maya is more of the bokeh, the clown. Right. There's, they definitely had that kind of um, kind of dynamic. Whereas in this game, I don't think Sir Cucumber ever says anything. He Whereas, never does. He yeah. never says anything. So it's just Percy saying weird things or dumb things or whatever. Yeah. And I don't think he's meant to be the bokeh role in a, like a Monsai combo exactly. He's still comic You're just relief. Just being though. haunted yeah. by a, a, a very talkative persimmon. <laughs> Which is not like most persimmons. Who here has eaten a persimmon, by the way? I have. Oh, yeah? I'm just, the only just one Bob has yeah. had it. It's it good. did not talk to me. It, it just it, <laughs> was, was it a fuyu? it spoke to me with its delicious. It didn't drop By the way, stuff. was it a fuyu persimmon or a hachiya persimmon? I don't know. It was the one my friend gave me. Fuyu was a fl- it's like a flat one. Hachiya is like shaped like an acorn almost. Which one is Percy? Uh, it was the f- fuyu. Okay. Yeah, hachiya is like you're not supposed to like eat it when it's in its normal state. Like you're supposed to wait until it's super, super, super ripe mm. and pulpy and sweet. Otherwise, it just tastes like you're eating like something really tart and like almost like kind of cinnamony. Yeah, it's this is really a, gross. An episode of Fruitro Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm on the wrong podcast. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna see myself. Out Please now. leave. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like I said, this game has a menu based input, uh, but I feel like it's not perfect. This is not a, a, like a amazing game, by the way. There are some flaws, and I feel like one of the flaws when you're playing it is there are a lot of redundancies that I'm not sure. Um, oh, maybe yeah. it's just a localization problem in that there are very redundant verbs you can use. Like look and check are – they kind of did like look is basically let me know what's happening on the screen all like at once. Like what's the vicinity like? And then check is like I can check things. individual things. Yeah. But I feel like there might be more of a distinction in Japanese between those verbs than what they uh, chose to localize them as. It's more like look and examine. Yeah. Just like check. I mean it makes sense to me. And things like fight and hits, where fight is basically enter the fighting fight stage of the battle, game. Whereas hit, and you hits. just physically hit things. But I feel like it could have been just one command, and it could have meant the same hit thing. Hit is different from battling. Oh, okay. You can hit things without battling. Right, them. but I feel like if you hit something and then you get into a battle, it would just serve the same purpose. Like, for example, you can hit a door. Yeah, that, that's true. That, might, that means you knock on it, or you hit, like, a picture frame or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on how drunk you are. You might actually be in a fight with the door. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to slam this real quick, and we'll see. <laughs> I love how you make Percy hit everything. Yeah. Every time you, 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 you make, uh, you select hit. You're, you're making, making him Percy do it? Do, yeah. You're making a baby hit yes. things? Oh my God. He's not a baby. He's a little kid. They, well, they describe him as be- like uh, the verb you use, like use water on baby when you first see him. He's it's not like, a it's baby, a baby persimmon. No, he can no. talk. Yeah, he can talk. He's he knows over- everybody. He wears overalls for God's it's sake. True. He's a little kid. I hope he's not a baby because then Sir Cucumber <laughs> is a very bad influence. Also, the way he talks in Japanese is a very specific kind of country bumpkin dialect. Uh, the, yeah. You know how like there's different ways to say I in Japanese? Yeah. What he uses is, is oira, 
which is what um, was used for uh, Sans in Undertale. Oh, okay, cool. There, like when when Undertale was not like officially localized, uh, there were different fan translations, and they kept like um, interpreting like what they felt like each character would represent themselves as. And when Oira came out to be the local official localization, people were like, "What?" Because <laughs> it's like a more laid back country bump. Did that become speak. a meme or something? That, I think it did. Yeah, I, so, I think it really yeah. did. Yeah, because people were not expecting that. But that's what Percy uses. So he's not a baby. Like he's not a baby. Also, he's also, a little kid though. Percy was not meant to be like your partner character, like in the, in the original, original version. MS- yeah. yeah, you you do save a persimmon who's like thirsty on the road, but he doesn't become your partner. I think they were really just picking up on the success of Portopia and saying people like this idea for a game, so let's just yeah, run with this. Probably, there's something kind of biblical about giving water to a thirsty persimmon by the side of the road. It just seems like a very <laughs> Acts of the Apostles kind of thing. Yes, it's like uh, the good the good persimmon <laughs> persimmon. Sorry. Persimmon's a Persimmon. kind of monkey. And, and, and then he's indebted to you forever. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> That's why he's with you. You give him water. He's like, oh my god, you're <laughs> my boss now. <laughs> I'm going to follow you around. Does he call you Kaicho in, in, in Japanese? Uh, no. What is doesn't. chief or boss or... Well, like, what does he call you? Kai, Kacho. It's like Kacho. Kacho was like, or, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, what does he call you in Japanese? Like in, in the American localization, he just calls you, hey, sorry, boss, or hey, boss. Is it a senpai? Not senpai, sorry. Nina's checking. Know. I'll tell you about the story of this game and that... Playing through it again as an adult for the first time, it's oddly dark and that it's about a milit. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oyabun, which is like, mm. Oyabun is more a gangster way yeah. to call your oh, boss. Oh, <laughs> no way. So it's like he's like a boss of a gang. Kind of, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was going to ask, is it like an Oyabun, Kobun kind of situation? Yes, it is. Okay, there you go. Kobun, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know the, those frogs yeah. in the sewers in Chrono Trigger? Yeah. That's Oyabun and Kobun. I know and Kobun, Kobun are from, like the uh, serve bots. Serve bots, yeah. Oh, okay, so, cool. yeah, kind of thuggish. So I want to talk about the story. And they are cute. And Percy is cute. It's a cute gang. It's like the Brady Bunch. Uh, So the story is oddly dark and it's about a military coup in the Vegetable Kingdom where the instigator actually turns on his own kind. Minister Pumpkin betrayed King Broccoli and kidnapped Princess Tomato and he stole the turnip emblem which has mystical powers. And he fled to the castle in the Zucchini Mountains. And then he sent his army of farmies which are humans to terrorize all the vegetables in the Salad Kingdom. Uh, you only see a farmie once in the game, despite uh, the fact that they are the enemy forces. And in that, in it, that case, it is no, a human. You see two farmies. Oh, really? You okay. see one in silhouette. One in silhouette. But it's oh, very much a like no, a no. oh Princess Tomato's sister. She's a farmie. Oh, she's you're human. right. She's a human. I was like, I was wondering. I'm why gonna Lisa... get to that later. Okay, I'm gonna get to Lisa later. So but... Lisa, like, uh, she betrayed her own kind. I'll talk about it later. Okay, okay. <laughs> but the uh, the farmies are very much like the Japanese farmer uh, kind They're of stereotype. They're so Japanese looking, yeah. Like if you played Mole Mania, the villain in that game is sort of like the arch- archetypical uh, Japanese like farmer. Like when you encounter the far- like the one male farmy you see in the game when you battle him, they're like, oh no, it's a farmy. But in Japanese, they're like, it's a farmy Gosaku. And Gosaku is a very country bumpkin kind of thing. Oh, so you're fighting like uh, farming hillbillies? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's like, hey, it's a farmy Billy Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I see those character that that character type in anime a lot. Like in, oh, in, yeah. in Rama one half when Ryoga gets lost in the countryside, you, you see a lot of them, like villagers and that sort of thing. Or if you know the uh Famicom game Ikki. Mm. Oh yeah. The yeah, famous yeah, yeah, yeah. bad oh, game. Yeah. I know that game intimately. The game's about <laughs> having a farmer's rebellion? Yes. Okay, you are a farmer in that game. I really like the farmies. Uh, in this game because they hate the vegetables <laughs> no, no, i think the farmies are very good villains because they're eating people true but they also eat themselves the vegetables like <laughs> also they make uh wine and grape juice and they uh there's like salad there is growing a, there's a grape guy who drinks grape juice yeah he's sick <laughs> here's my question the designs of all of the princess tomato in the salad kingdom characters are the entire fruit is a head and then they have a humanoid body. Mm. So does the existence of the farmies posit a world where there are just severed human heads growing on trees? That's a good question. Mm. I think we're dealing I with think like human goofy... heads are a root vegetable. Huh. <laughs> we're dealing with a little like a goofy Pluto conundrum here. There's no real answer. I think it's more like a world where um, people or people didn't uh, evolve from like monkeys or apes they evolved from cabbage yes <laughs> cabbage and radishes and carrots yes also no, it's kind of like that also i do think minister pumpkin made a bad move aligning himself with the farmies because sooner or later it is going to be thanksgiving yeah and that's it there's no thanksgiving in japan and this is a very japanese christmas game. it's a very 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 japanese game we should talk it's about christmas? that actually. i want to talk about that yeah so, there's a bit of a cheeky edge to the original version of this game that i noticed like i can see like what they tried to paint over 
And they try to do a good job of this with the localization, but if you've played a lot of Japanese games and, and you understand like certain naughty things that were allowed in Japanese games but not American games, uh, you will definitely see what they cut out. So number one, oh, yeah. lots of smoking. Mm-hmm. There is so much drinking in this game. Mm-hmm. There are so many drunks in this game. Uh, it's amazing that they even decided to localize this game. It's Just very like, adult. It really is. It, like I feel like again, it's like I wouldn't call it like um, like a dirty game or a naughty game, but it's very cheeky. It's just like there are like body characters. You go to like in one case, um, I just noticed this for the first time. And like in the second level, you go to a cabaret, but you are at a hostess club. You are in a hostess. Although club. it is called a cabaret still in Japanese, right. but it's very it's much a hostess vibe. Yeah, yeah, a hostess club. It makes me wonder, like, who is this game for exactly? Like, is it for kids? I don't know who I don't, was marketed towards. They grew up so fast back then. I feel like the original <laughs> version probably wasn't for kids because all, oh, of, yeah, the, also, all the vegetable yeah. ladies are stacked in the original version. We did not well, mention that. Keep oh, in mind, yeah. who was playing PC games in 1984? It was not children. Lonely adults. That's true. There's a lot of tomato cleavage in the original MSX yes, version. that's true. <laughs> Which is kind of weird because they're very, like, cute, cartoony characters. And yeah. The, like, everybody's head is a fruit with but, big, I mean, happy eyes. There's, there's less of a divide, I feel, in Japanese media between, like, cute and sexy and it's just because something is sort of cute doesn't mean it can't be for adults. That's true. And there is a lot of, like, like I'm Japanese. I grew up with a lot of, like, Japanese manga and anime and all that stuff. And there's a lot of sexy stuff in there that's not, yeah. that people will not consider appropriate for kids here. Yeah, I mean, consider Dragon Ball, like the early yeah. issues where yeah. you see Bulma in her birthday suit. Oh, I've been reading the, the Gonagai, the original Kitty Honey. Yeah. Oh, I feel like, I I feel like Gonagai is, is right. aiming at an older audience. Yeah. Whereas Dragon Ball is definitely, like, but the, like the original cutie Hun- this is a tangent the original cutie honey is like a school story though it's very mm-hmm. weird i mean i grew up with doraemon and there was like tons of nudity in that <laughs> yeah like nudity but i feel like uh like the smoking and drinking the authors and the writers are like well just people they smoke and drink who cares kids see this as the adults mm-hmm. do these things exactly yeah but obviously nintendo of america did not want that things in their game um but also there is some darkness in this in this story that i really that's like why this game is memorable to me so uh, the darkness of this game is that it's really about like a vegetable genocide in which these vegetable people are are uh, rounded up and tortured and killed. And one of the first images you see in this game that sticks with me to this day are like uh, vegetable people buried up into their heads in the dirt, and they're all they're being dehydrated to death. They're all dried and you have to up. Give them water, and then when you come back later, some of them have been quote unquote harvested. Right. So it's an ugly like, like the melon patch. Yeah. Yeah. Like actually, it's more kind of like. Uh, depressing in the english version because like the the shot you see of the four melon guys like yeah. buried in the dirt in the in the english version they enhance the artwork so that the dirt looks dried up it's got the cracks oh, in there they so they, make it more depressing. yeah i don't know yeah. why they chose to do that like there are some graphical differences in the english version and that's one of them wow yeah it's weird as a vegetarian how do you feel about this game uh i, I was conflicted about eating a salad <laughs> after playing this game <laughs> But again, very Japanese, lots of Japanese cultural things, lots of like shrines, uh, fruits and vegetables that are really are only like in Asian countries. Like persimmons, for example. Uh, Soursops. Actually, when doing the research for this podcast, I had to look up what a soursop was because there's a soursop character. I'm like, this is a real soursop character. He's actually what? Uh, A bok choy. Yeah. He's supposed to be a bok choy. I don't know why they called him a soursop. It might just be a translation, a mistranslation. I think so. Does anyone in this room know what a soursop is? heard of it it's actually a fruit it's like spiny yeah it's, it's almost weird. it's almost like, like a, a durian kind yeah. of but not but not stinky no not but stinky. the guy all, looks like a bok choy he's meant to be a bok choy but they call him a soursop in the game for some reason yeah i don't know why they do that uh, but uh yeah. like like we were talking about before this game is self-contained is one of those little um like the little horned melons is that what a soursop is Mind? sort of uh, it's like yeah, it's like a it's thorny green. melon yeah but like we were saying before this game is uh, contained in chapters there's nine of them and like the ninth one is basically just the ending you can walk around and talk to people and they're like congratulations and you get into mm-hmm. a fight if you want to mm-hmm. basically some of the chapters have an immediate goal like here's what you need to do like break out of this place or investigate this place but many chapters start with you're in a new area figure out what to do next and those are sort of the more difficult areas to figure out like the second level i think i never beat that as a kid because it's just like there are a lot of people to talk to and it's never clear like what you have to do yeah. And the goal is to punch the guy at the bookstore to give you... I uh, love... I hit everything in the game, by the way. It's yeah. hilarious. Because, like, I don't know. Like, did you try hitting everything when you first play this game? Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Like, do you remember what happens when you try to hit the pear guy? The pear guy who owns the antique shop? No, what happens? So, like, the pear guy... There's a guy with, like, a pear head uh, whose name is Bart in the English... Uh, Japanese version, by the way, because he's a Bartley pear. Oh, that's great. But in, in, he's called Mr. Pear in the English version. He should have called him Bart. Bart, but, yeah. Yeah, so you hit him and he says... <laughs> 
<laughs> says something like, hey, stop doing that. My brother-in-law is a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Can you get yourself into a fail state in this game, though? No, I, you can't. I, I, like, because I know like in some stages there are currency uh, that you need to buy things or to get into places. You, but... you can't ever just spend all of it, though. This is yeah. Zach McCracken. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you can just um, go broke. We talked about that on a previous episode. That's what <laughs> I don't like about that game, where... You have a currency that you can run out of, but I think you can always find more if you go to the right oh, yeah, places. Yeah. yeah. So there, I don't think no, there are any real fail no states fail in this yeah, game. Yeah, that's what separates it from like some of the like Sierra games. Like yeah. There's no like dead end. Unfortunately, sometimes it can be hard to find out what you're exactly supposed to do. Like there are some times where you have to do the same thing. You have to try the same thing over and over. Like keep going back to the same location and trying the same uh, function over and over and you don't know that you're supposed to do that like there's no good clear indication. Yeah, that's a good tip. Like if you're going to play this game for the first time, know that often uh, for this style of adventure game, especially of this era, you have to do the same actions over and over. Like talking to someone once won't always work. Checking something yeah. once won't always work. And often a new character will show up at a new place for no reason. You've like, you know, mark this flag in the game programming. Now this character will be here and go go find him. Yeah, like there's one point where you uh, some character has a headache and you have an aspirin. So you give it to him. And yeah. Then you're like, oh, thanks. We're going to use this on him. And then you have to keep going back. <laughs> to, yeah until he's like this, this uh, game fixed. sounds like the definition of insanity <laughs> it really is like try the same thing over and over again and at one point like uh, you have to dig something up and you have to use a dig command like eight times and like twice it will give you the same text so you figure like oh i've already there's nothing else for me to do so i, I think it's more clear in the japanese version. yeah like, to change it up a little bit at least so you know you're not just like doing the same thing over and over yeah like in that in that sense it can make the game kind of difficult but it's kind of like a a false way of uh in logging the game with oh for sure yeah it's a fairly short game like the long play is two hours so if you know everything uh, you have to do in the game it's about two hours long If you like my show, you're going to love all the shows on the Collider Network on Podcast One. The YouTube channel turned Podcast Super Network has got everything for your pop culture needs. Check out Collider Sports, Jedi Council, One-on-One with Christian Harloff, Movie Trivia Schmodown, Movie Talk, and so much more. Check out the Collider Network every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And caller number nine for one million dollars. Rita, complete this quote. Life is like a box of chocolates. Uh, Rita, you're cutting out. We need your answer. Life is like a box of chocolates. Oh, sorry. That's not what we were looking for. On to caller number ten. Bad network got you glitched out of luck? Switch to Boost Mobile's super reliable, super fast nationwide network and get four lines, each with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month. Plus, get four free phones. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. actually play the game and how old were you when you played it i played it when it was new and it came out in 91 in america so i was nine wow yeah you very well may have been older than me when i played it did um, you play it uh the famicom version or no uh, i played the nes version okay like even though uh me and my older siblings grew up with very few nes games we've only ever rented games once in our lifetime for blockbuster and we rented ninja gaiden and Princess Tomato. Wow. <laughs> Quite a very, spread. Like we, very different games. We've the best Japanese, but... <laughs> Wanted to have a nice, easy time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had fun with both for different reasons, but... Why ran again? They're the best game in the system. <laughs> we didn't finish uh, Ninja Gaiden for a good reason. It's too hard, but we did finish uh, Princess Tomato, and... Wow. It was great. Like, we just loved how Japanese the game was, which we'll talk about later, but uh, I it really, like, stuck in my mind. So when, when I was a little bit older... And uh, old used NES games were still sold in like normal stores. Like and when they I were say, still incredibly cheap. When I say normal, I mean like I bought Princess Tomato used uh, the cart, just the cart, not box, but 
It was at a grocery store. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I like, remember those probably days. like late nineties, oh, yeah. right? Or uh, yeah, and it yeah. was nine dollars. And now the game is like a hundred mm-hmm. or more dollars on eBay. Yeah, I believe it. I'm so glad I it's bought. It's gotten it crazy too. expensive. I mean, this game yeah. has has picked up a cult following for sure. It was one that people I don't think really knew about until you know a few years ago, and then it started to become sort of notorious as being the sort of kooky NES adventure game with a funny personality and. Uh, it had this little stupid persimmon guy that's a total asshole. <laughs> and so, I don't know, there's probably, again, a YouTuber who wrote about it or not wrote about it, but talked about it. And it became all of a sudden a thing everyone had to have. Yeah, I think the, uh, I mean, I discovered this game when it was new uh, just by seeing it in the store and saying, hey, this looks cool. I'll rent this game. But um, I think it really experienced its boom in terms of popularity when the emulation boom happened in the late 90s, early 2000s, where people were discovering uh, cool games for the first time or for um, not for the first time, but they were rediscovering old games that were great, like River City Ransom. Like I feel like no one really cared that much about it until everyone was playing it on Nesticle in 1998 or 1999. Oh, classic Nesticle. Nesticle. <laughs> so classy. <laughs> so I want to talk about the uh, the differences the NES version brings and the Famicom version brings. And they're very much of their time, uh, of this console era, especially for 1988 in Japan. So number one, this game adds first-person dungeons. Uh, very much a huge fad of the late 80s, especially in Japanese games. So things like Fester's Quest, Golgo 13. Uh, these games are not first-person uh, RPGs, but they have first-person dungeons. What other games have first-person dungeons in them? I'm, I'm sure you know of a few more from like 88, uh, 87. Worm, and there's um, Cosmo Tank for Game Boy. Cosmo Tank, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was a weird one because it was multi-format, but it did have like first-person shooting dungeons. Interesting, yeah. And I think like... You don't appreciate what Fantasy Star did for first-person dungeons until you actually see what how other games did this, where just like in Fester's Quest and in Golgo 13, the transition to a new uh, square of the dungeon is just a flash and then a new piece of art. It's not like gentle transition into, you know, the new art. None of those games had Yuji Hori programming. No. You mean uh, Yuji Naka. Yuji Naka. That's right. Yes, that's right. Blast that's processing. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> exactly. Goonies. Oh, Goonies. I guess first-person rooms. Yeah, I mean, counts. if you want to go that way, yeah. um, what was the game that was so similar, not Solomon's Key? It was, uh, Dr. Uh, Chaos. Dr. Chaos. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of, like, just weird, inexplicable first-person sequences. You might not have been moving. You might have been moving, but just oh, a way to just be more quote-unquote immersive i guess yeah in a the, 2D those dungeon game. systems though, yeah. like i feel like is the, uh, the biggest low point of this game they aside are. from the battle system <laughs> this is not like etrian odyssey they're easy to graph out yeah exactly and the maps are online if you really want to play this game yeah but man that's like whenever i play this game i have played this game a few times but every time i get to like like the celery forest or whatever. I'm just like, oh, this part again. It is kind of a drag, yeah. It really is. And when Arino played this for Game Series CX, uh, this, he really did not like this game at all. And he, w- when he was going through the maze part, the dungeon parts, he started falling asleep on huh. screen. <laughs> the music is pretty droning. It really is, yeah. And you're not sure where you're supposed to go, where you're supposed to do. Like, there are certain points of the maze you're supposed to go to to pick up items. Mm. So That's even, true, yeah. Even, even if you get to like, the actual goal point, like there are things you got to pick up first. You have to explore like every square of the maze to yeah, get everything yeah. you need. Or in the in uh, the Minister Pumpkin dungeon, the basement dungeon, you have to fight certain uh, monsters before you That's get to right. the boss monster. Yeah. It's a it's a major drag. It is I, padding for sure. Yeah, it is. And the other padding they add are uh, Jonkin battles, which are finger battles, which is basically <laughs> rock, paper, scissors. Uh, most of them involve knowing in advance which sign your opponent will throw mm-hmm. uh just by talking to people in the world and you know exploring uh i think one of them is just random i'm, I'm pretty sure towards the end of the game i'm not entirely positive because i oh the last one is random yeah but yeah. there's a certain point where you're taught by some other characters like what what uh signs you're supposed to throw right. to win the battle and maybe the instruction book explains how this is played but as a kid i had no familiarity with rock paper scissors at all and especially the, I think it's the very Japanese part of Rock, Paper, Scissors, oh, where God, it's like, yeah. look in a direction. Akimui Tekoi, which is a very, uh, well, like, Junkin Pond or Rock, Scissors, Paper is a very Japanese thing to begin with. Yeah. And then you throw in Akimui Tekoi, which is not a cultural thing here at all. Like, you don't do it here. You guess which direction the person will look after you, you, you win the, point, the battle? You have to point in a direction, yeah. And then if they look in that direction, then you win and they yeah. lose. And they try their best to localize it. I think they did a decent job. They say try to look away, you know? Yeah. It kind of works, but also, like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of kids who played it were just like, what the hell am I supposed to do at this point? If I got that far as a kid, I would have no idea. Yeah, like, it's, it's part of the attract mode, and whenever that would pop up as a kid, I was like, was what are they even mode? doing? There's an attract mode in the game where it just, like, 
Talk okay. to all the characters, explore all the worlds, and they show like a little clip of the battle system too. And when that popped up, I'm like, what even is this? Yeah, so a lot of times in, in like Japanese rock, scissors, papers, if once you loot, uh, win or lose the rock, scissors, paper part, then you have to go in the second phase, which is a chimute koi. <laughs> and it's four directions you can look in. Yeah. Okay. Which is not something you ever do here. Yeah. What's the third phase? Like a gun battle? <laughs> <laughs> Quick draw? Uh, you play jacks. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, well, Nina, you played through the Japanese version, or you actually watched the playthrough of the Japanese version, and you wanted to talk about sort of the uh, differences, especially in oh, terms yeah. of, like, the things they censored. But you had a lot of examples you were telling me about. I really want to know about yeah, those. Yeah, I own both the English version, the NES cartridge, and the Famicom cartridge. Oh, you cartridge. own it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I played both. And, well, first of all, I want to talk about how the, uh, I don't know how the, the English version of the game was marketed here. I tried to find out information about that online, but I couldn't find anything. There's no like TV commercials or like there is a print ad. Oh, okay. Yeah. What did it say? How did it advertise it? It is basically. Uh, I'll look it up while you're talking, but I actually just tweeted it out, and it's a pretty silly print ad. But it's, it's in comics. It's in comics, right? Uh, I think it might it have is? been in comics. Yeah. I saw it in in print magazines though, but it's just uh, it's fairly. It, I mean, it just shows how wacky the game is, but it plays it sir. It plays it straight. Just like here's the premise of this game. It's about vegetable people, <laughs> and uh, it's by Hudson. So they they had marketing behind it. There was market marketing push behind it. I feel like it's. I always wonder, like, uh, who were they marketing towards for this game in Japan? Yeah. Because, like you said, the MX of, MXX version was very adult, and they kept a lot of the adult parts in the game. And when they featured the game on Game Theory CX, they said this game is, is very popular with women and children. Interesting. But I don't, I don't think that's who they marketed it towards. I think they tried to market it towards a more generalized audience. And uh, the actual um, slogan they used for the game... Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. It's a print ad that says, do you search cucumber cucumbers as your lawfully wedded tomato? And then I, I cropped it, but below that is the premise of the game. Okay. Like, you are Sir Cucumber. The big white with the yeah. black. That doesn't explain what kind of game it is, though, It doesn't. I don't all. think they wanted you to know what kind of game it was. I don't think it sets the yeah. tone well at all, yeah. In the Japanese um, print ad for this game, the slogan they use is a line they took from a, a song, a Japanese song, called uh, Sarada no Kinenbi, or Salad Day. <laughs> and okay. the line they took was, uh, I, I'm, I'm translating this to English roughly. They say children are raised by their parents, but a tomato in a farm becomes bread of its own. It's okay. very uh, deep. So it's about nature versus nurture? <laughs> yes. Okay. That's that's going to be the tagline of the reboot. <laughs> <laughs> the AAA $60 it's, it's a very, 4K. It's 2019 a strange, 4K reboot. Strange, poignant, philosophical line they use to advertise this game. About tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a cool line, but it's like, why are you using this to advertise this game? Was it a, a, a song of that era? Like a it was, song? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why. They're piggybacking off the uh, the popularity of it, maybe? Yeah, I think so. The I reboot mean... opens with Sir Cucumber getting spiralized. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I love spiralized, by the way. <laughs> I like uh, making uh, zucchini noodles, not cucumber noodles. Zoodles. Zoodles. Yeah, or zoodles. And yam noodles. That's, that's, oh, the, that's the plot now. Zoodles. <laughs> the farmers are trying to make zoodles. <laughs> um, I'm pro zoodle. Yeah, there's like, I watched through all the uh, the Japanese playthrough of this game to prepare for this recording. And first of all, it's not King Broccoli. Because broccoli is a very Western vegetable, I feel like. In Japanese, it's King Onion. Really? Okay. But I wonder why they changed it. Why yeah. change onion to broccoli? Like onion, onion is not onion. the king of vegetables. <laughs> Broccoli's are onions. Are, onions are in everything. Broccoli's though. are packed with nutrients, and they fight cancer. <laughs> They're super. A food. tomato can't be an onion's child. That's, <laughs> that is obvious. Well, we can't even get into this part. Oh of it. god, yeah, yeah. it's complicated uh, vegetable genealogy. <laughs> also, a tomato is not a vegetable; it's a fruit. It's true. Technically. Uh, but there are both in this game. There are oranges and grapes are fruits. and persimmons. Yeah. yeah. By the way, the the uh, definition of fruit is something with seeds in it. So okay. a tomato is a fruit. And But you would put a tomato in a salad. I, I guess a cucumber is also in a salad thing. kingdom. They say you shouldn't put a persimmon in a salad, but I, I've tried it and it's delicious. Is that a line <laughs> in a song also? No, it's not. Different song, different song. <laughs> different song. No, Arino in Game Center CX said, why would you put a persimmon in a salad? But I tried it. It was good. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, King Broccoli is King Onion, and the Yam Medallion, which you show to everyone to show your part, the, the uh, Rebellion or whatever, Resistance Troop, is actually the Onion Medallion. So they, they have a big thing about onions, against huh. onions in the English version, because you don't see onions come up at all, I don't think. Yeah, I don't version. know. I mean, there's like a um, very onion-like vegetable. Shallot? Shallot, yeah, there's a shallot in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, in that case, like, for example, um... You don't see King Broccoli or King Onion ever. 
in the game, which is kind of weird. Yeah. He's referenced, but you never see what Not even in the like. ending. Oh, wait, he died. He, he's he has dead. Clearly he died. Been killed. <laughs> okay, okay, part of the darkness of the game is he died of grief. He's yes. been sauteed and yeah. he's <laughs> caramelized and, mm. oh my God, so delicious. <laughs> Served with sesame his tofu. Prince, his daughter, Princess Tomato, got kidnapped by Minister Pumpkin. And then he died of grief. Yes. <laughs> Which is really sad. That's what they tell you in the opening of the yeah, game. Yeah, that's the opening of the game. It's so sad. It's tight zoom on Minister Pumpkin. <laughs> he's dropping Robin a snow globe. The king. <laughs> Where is King Onion? I guess that's one guy of like sadness. <laughs> Salad is coming. That's one way of like localizing the game, I guess. Not that kids don't know what an onion is, but broccoli is more relatable to kids here. Broccoli I mean. was a big punchline in the uh, late eighties. Broccoli is not much of an Asian vegetable. It, it culminated in the first Bush presidency. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. George W. Bush. This was of that era. Yeah, yeah. like ninety-one would have been of the Bush era. Broccoli, not going to do it. The vomiting broccoli on the prime minister? Bad for diplomacy. <laughs> I don't think he vomited broccoli. I think he just vomited, but he didn't want he to eat broccoli. He said he didn't like broccoli. Yeah, yeah but it wasn't, uh, he had the flu. It wasn't a broccoli-induced mm. vomiting. Anyway, so yeah, th- this game is like so Japanese, which me and my siblings at the time when we played laughed at a lot. Like, I love it when there's so many Japanese like cultural things in a game that was brought over to America, uh, American or North America. They try their best to hide it. But they can't hide it completely. Like these have a triangular donut, something black on the outside. I love these hamburgers. Well, the part the part where you're jailed, are you like? Is that like a Chinese prison that you're in? I thought it was like very Chinese. The uh, uh, area of the so? prison, just like the way the uh, the soldiers are stationed, and like sort of the caricature of General Pepper. It seemed like like more of a ch- like a crude like Chinese caricature. You mean Sergeant Pepper? Sergeant Pepper. That's right. All right, forgot oh, about no. that. We'll talk, we'll talk about the localization By the way, soon. That's, that's, there's two Sergeant Peppers in the Nintendo canon. There's this guy, and also in Star the dog. Fox. Oh my god, I forgot. That but he a- was promoted to a general. He's General Pepper. Oh, wow. yeah. Admiral yeah, Pepper. He's, he's so he makes before he made the, the the rank adjustment, he was a pepper. He like makes a pepper. reference to fighting Andros back when he was just a sergeant in the Nintendo Power comic. Ah, uh, very clever. That was an English localization joke they made for this version, by the way. That was yeah, not I mean, in the original. We're talking about the uh, Japanese version. The localization, I would say, it's it's below the par for today, but for ninety one. Uh, oh, it's really well Someone done. was a native speaker of English writing these lines. There are references to lots of pop culture things like uh, yeah. Manuel Noriega and uh, Sergeant Pepper and Hogan's Heroes. Wait, where was the Hogan's Heroes reference? Uh, the guy who was like, I know nothing. When you, oh, uh, they got yeah. the bookstore, yeah. So he's like German for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was like, not German in the original version. I bet, yeah. Sure. yeah. But <laughs> it was definitely. Um, I forget what he was, but. Um, yeah, he definitely Hogan's Heroes reference. I mean, if you were a uh, a baby boomer was writing this script, obviously. Mm. But yeah, I was surprised. It's it's very clever, and they localized Percy's voice. Obviously, and you're saying he talks like a bumpkin. In mm-hmm. this, in this, he talks like sort of like a wise guy, like a like a street kid or whatever, mm. like a yeah, a little bit like, like a, street, a kid. street street urchin, like a yeah. newsie, if you will. <laughs> a newsie. Yeah. He doesn't sing. <laughs> no, just like Christian Bale. Yeah, exactly. He's like the uh, uh, artful dodger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Without the Cockney accent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's like a bunch of differences in the English version. Mostly, like you said, um, you, they took out the all the references to alcohol and and like smoking and such. Yeah, like, like uh, grape juice grape, is wine and clover very juice of them is, is, um, is sake. sake obviously, yeah. Even though they kept in all the kanji for sake in the game. Because yeah. they were like, oh, kids wouldn't know what this is. Except for <laughs> Japanese kids that played it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, there's a there's a grape guy who drinks grape juice, which is sick. That I think. is sick. <laughs> It's like There's, drinking mummy juice. It is, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, disgusting. Well, they did used to eat mummies back in the day. That is true. <laughs> Who are they? Victorians? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is true. Yeah, look it up. It's real. It's they would real. actually eat mummies. They thought it would give them power. Mummy flesh. I mean, they, they only drink gin because water was too dangerous. I assume, like, real food was too dangerous, so they were just, like, subsisting on mummies. They couldn't drink water, <laughs> so it was all mummies. So, like, the second level you go to in this game is Saladoria, the yeah. city, the, the fruit and vegetable-based city, and... You meet a, a a wanderer in the park, and he wants in the English version he wants coffee, and then when you bring him coffee, he's like, oh, "I want a donut." So you have to bring him a donut. And in the Japanese version, he wants a cigarette, and when you bring him a cigarette, he wants a light, mm-hmm. which makes more sense. Like, who's gonna be like, "Hey, I can drink this coffee yet." Where's my <laughs> donut? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I'll let it turn ice cold first. And when you go to the uh, the so called donut shop, 
it's definitely a cigarette shop. Ah, okay. Run because... by the old plum woman. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah, in the in the English version of the game, when you find a donut for the guy, you find it in the ba- uh, bathroom trash can of the cabaret, mm-hmm. and he eventually you give it to him, and then he eats it. So I thought that was like naughty humor, you, but I guess actually, it made more you, sense. You never actually get to give it to him because you give it to him in prison, though. Later in the next chapter, sort of. But by the time you get it, you go out to the park. He's gone. Yeah, he's I, I assume he eats it though. I thought, um, I should know this, but I thought by the time you meet in the in the jail, he's like, oh, I don't want that anymore. Oh, maybe, maybe. I I remember giving it to him though, but I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah. You think you know cigarettes would be great barter materials? And yeah. Even a used butt <laughs> that you found in the trash can of a cabaret. They tried their best to clean up this game. They didn't cover up any of the cleavage, though. No. And <laughs> there's you, some fruit cleavage. And there's the some game. peeping in the game, too. Yeah, there is. it time to talk about the, the horny orange? Oh, God. <laughs> she even says, you pervert. She says, you pervert, but she's winking at Here's you. Here's a tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, no, I, I just loved how Japanese the game is. Like like I said, the old, the old plum lady you see who runs the uh, so-called donut shop, which is a cigarette shop in Japanese. She's so Japanese. She's like... Wearing a kimono, and stereotypically in Japanese culture, um, old people like sour plums. Oh, okay. Umeboshi. Like, I, lo- I love sour plums myself, so I get made fun of for liking so you're them. you're an old lady. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I'm almost 35. I'm so old. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, she's all wrinkly, and she's wearing a kimono, and she's obviously Japanese. There's so many characters like that in the game. There's the old carrot hermit in the mountains. Yeah, that's right. Who's very Japanese looking. He lives... He lives in, in like an old hut with like tatami mats. Yeah, <laughs> he drinks yeah. sake or he's, he's, clover juice. He's in front of the sliding door, paper doors. Exactly, yeah. and there's like an, another old hermit in the mountains who's like, I hate the city. <laughs> and he's like, what is he like a radish or something? I think so. He has yeah, radish. there's so many little touches like that. I love it. There's a character called Miss Eggplant in Saladoria. She's like this kind of sexy so-called eggplant lady. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's meant to be a grape because she sells wine at that store. She's at a liquor store, right? She's at a liquor store, but in the English version... Okay, so in the Japanese version, she's, like, smoking a cigarette. She's, like, leaning on the counter, smoking a cigarette. She's got a bottle of wine next to her, but in the English... And a glass full of Yeah, in the English version, they took that all away, so she just looks bored. She's, like, leaning (laughs) at the counter. Like, she's, oh, what are we going to do? Smartphones haven't been invented yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's meant meant to be a grape. Okay. So... I Wait. like that Emoji didn't create the idea of a sexy eggplant. It was actually a Nintendo <laughs> game. That's true. She also has a Kansai accent in the Japanese version, oh, wow. which they didn't keep. But they did put little characterizing uh, touches in the English version. For example, Miss Peach has a, a southern drawl. That's really cute. Yeah, It's really cute. Like, she does not have that in the English, uh, Japanese version. But, you know, it's like a uh, Georgia peach. So he says, uh, come back real soon, y'all. You hear something <laughs> like that? Peaches are southern. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> we all know. I was going to say, like, so Hudson, um, Sega owns them now, right? Correct? We've no, been through co- this. It's Konami. I want Sega to own Hudson. They Sega. Would, they, they would do more with Hudson than Konami does. I think so. I mean, I'm sure there's like a Princess Tomato Pachinko machine at this point. Uh, I uh, wish. Erotic violence <laughs> Pachinko. Although, actually, like, the, <laughs> the only new video game Konami has created in the past two years was Super Bomberman R, which is a Hudson property. So and and a treating... Princess Tomato reference. Oh, yeah? Yes. It's, it's the only one I know of. Uh, in existence, like of them referencing this game. You what what you, is the reference there? You like Bob didn't even know about it until I brought it up. I can did you, not. Can you play as Percy as one of the Bombermen? No, you play like as Princess Tomato. Basically, you're a Princess Tomato based bomber woman. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, yeah I, I went and looked it up. Cow. I was so shocked when I saw that. I was delighted. I was like, oh my god, they acknowledge the fact that Princess Tomato exists. It's amazing. I don't know why, like, I don't know who made that happen, but I am so happy that someone, someone remembers, remembers Princess yeah. Tomato. Yeah. If this was comics, there would have been like a headline that was like, <laughs> Princess Tomato confirmed for 2019? Question <laughs> mark? Princess Put Tomato it, should be in Smash. I agree. Or at least, at least a spirit battle, right? Uh, yeah. At the very least. Or a trophy or something. Yeah. A I sticker, totally agree. something like that. The thing is, like, there's very little Princess Tomato accessibility in our modern age. It was actually released <laughs> for the Wii Virtual Console, but also. Every Hudson game was out for Wii, uh, Wii Virtual Console. Uh, Jeremy, have you noticed that like in that era, it was like every Hudson game? Yeah, I mean, when uh, Konami had just bought Hudson, they were like, let us make some bank off of these games. So yeah, they um, they really pushed the NEC TurboGrafx Virtual Console. You got tons and tons of Hudson games on Virtual Console. And even, you know, Wii U Virtual Console, like... At the tail end of it, it was all Hudson games for That's pre- right. PC Engine and, yeah. and Turbo Graphics. Yeah. So this game did have a re-release in 2010. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you can't download it again. Nope. But uh, just take it from the uh, internet. It's fine. If, if you want to play this again, that's the only way to play it. Unless you somehow downloaded it uh, before, what, two years ago when we 
Virtual Console was still online? Uh, it was up until like, like months ago. ago. Yeah, it, it wasn't too long well, ago. Well, actually, no. It, you can still download stuff from Virtual Console. You can't buy it. Until the end of this month, January 2019. Oh. But you can't... The last time you could put money into uh, your Wii Shop account was like March of last year. So you might possibly have 500 Wii points floating around in your account. Go online now, check it out through your Wii or Wii U. You can still buy this game. Last thing I want to mention, though, is the soundtrack, which is really good. Yes. And it's super catchy. Do we have the name of the person who did that soundtrack? I love the soundtrack to this game so much. It's been, so the it's negative great. side of the soundtrack is all the loops are like 40 seconds long, and they play throughout the entirety of like maybe a one-hour level. Mm-hmm. But after that, they stick with you forever. <laughs> I don't mind the loop because I love the music so much, except for the some space yeah, music. <laughs> it's not great, but it's very um, it's very uh, all over the place in terms of the the style. Like some levels are very Mega Man-y in it. Yeah, yeah, especially uh, Minister Pumpkin's Palace yeah. music. You like I never mentioned uh, I never uh, thought about it before, but when Bob mentioned it's very Mega Man-y, I listened to it again. I'm like, oh yeah, it is like a Mega Man boss game. Uh, so my <laughs> I have to mention. Most of my ringtones are Princess Tomato songs because I love it so much. The soundtrack is by Tomotune Mayano, who's done a lot of like Hudson's um, MSX adventure game music. Utopia, which is for TurboGrafx-16. Yeah. Uh, Momotaro Densetsu 2 and Battle Ace, Tengai, and Makio Zeria. He did a lot of stuff back in the days, but I don't think he's done much... Yeah, it's era. one of those people that just sort of disappeared after five Which or six Which is a shame, because yeah. the music in this game is so good. It's really I love good. it so much. And like, you'll, you'll hear a lot of it throughout the episode, so I'm, I'm going to include the best songs. But even, yeah. even like the password selection music. Like, By the way, the passwords in this game are insane in English. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're not as bad in Japanese, but in this one, in the English version, there's like a percentage sign, <laughs> other punctuation. It takes forever. Are there O's and zeros? Yeah, and God okay. forbid if you ever write down the wrong <laughs> password. Yeah. Oh, no, I love it, though. It's so good. So the final thing I want to talk about is uh, Nina works for Fangamer. And number <laughs> one, I want everyone listening uh, to go on Twitter and uh, send a message to at Fangamer and say, we want Princess Tomato merchandise. I want at least <laughs> a pin or a sticker or a T-shirt by the end of 2019. That is going to be our – we're going to make things happen <laughs> on Retronauts. I'm using my power to make this podcast, number one. Number two, I'm using my power to get a Princess Tomato T-shirt made. By the year 2020. I would love Princess Tomato merchandise so much. I feel like I'm one of like eight people in this world who cares about this game enough though. But I think if you created like a, a Percy pin or something, people would buy that. Especially if they made fun of him. Mm-hmm. I see more <laughs> obscure things. Or if it were just like, hey boss, I dropped your stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah well, what you do is you put the Percy pin on Fangamer and then when people order it, they open up the package. It's just a little piece of paper that says, sorry boss, it's <laughs> Rindle I mean, Bush. Last year, I did Sunset Riders merchandise for yeah. Fangamer and that was like an impossible dream of mine, but we did it. And we even happened to do uh, a whole live action film, a short film, advertising our merchandise. So, Sunset Riders based. But Kana- again, Konami owns Hudson. You guys have a Konami connection. Yes. Pick up the phone. Ask for Princess I wanted, Tomato. I want the Princess Tomato license so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling everyone listening, I want you uh, in a non-harassment way. I don't want us to be responsible for that. But please contact Fangamer. Hey, I will, I will push Fangamer to get the license for Princess Tomato. That's going to be our you goal. You never know. <laughs> That's going to be our goal as a podcast before 2020. Get me a Percy pin. Get me a Percy plush or at least a Princess Tomato t-shirt or uh, anything <laughs> anything uh, like the characters are so great in this game like i want they're great they'd yeah. be great for just if you, if you don't even know what this is it mm-hmm. would be a cool shirt i think do you think we go downstairs right now we'll find princess tomato cosplay i have never seen it in my life i've never seen it either but, but that's an idea absolutely not if you want to <laughs> if you want to corner the cosplay market princess tomato <laughs> cosplay I'll be Lisa, <laughs> the one human the human, yes. <laughs> you listening to this, you could be the world's number one Princess Tomato cosplayer. Actually, I wanted to talk about Lisa, by the way. She's weird because... <laughs> she's, a, she's just an inexplicable number, uh, she, only human in She the shows game. up, she shows up, and she is Princess Tomato's sister, but she's human. She's a part of me. And they don't explain it at all. They don't. So uh, I, I watched the uh, Japanese version to find out like if there's more to her character that was not revealed in the English version. So in Japanese, her name is Apple Lisa. Apple Lisa. Yeah, as okay. in the 1983 computer. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I had so, no so idea. So she's meant to reference that. That's a deep that. cut. That's a very... I'm surprised they didn't keep it as Apple Lisa in the English, because that would make it more of a salad or fruit vegetable theme. Yeah. But they just called her Lisa in the game, in the English version of the game. Her name is Apple Lisa. And then... So this is one thing that always baffled me in the English version. So you go to Lisa's room... 
her bedroom, and she has um a picture frame on her uh, makeup table, and you have to hit it. Like you look at the picture in the huh. English version, and it says, "Oh, it's a picture of King Broccoli and Princess Tomato." And then when you hit it, another picture falls out of the frame. It's like a hidden picture, and it's a picture of Tom Cruise. <laughs> That's what it says in the English version. Okay. So I was like, okay, I wonder if in the Japanese version it's like another uh, Japanese like idol or celebrity or something. So I looked it up. I actually like played the Japanese version of the game to look this up because it was not in any of the YouTube playthroughs on here. Because wow. I think most people don't go around hitting everything Doing like every I do. Thing, exactly. Yeah. I like to hit everything. So, <laughs> so I did that. And in the Japanese version, the picture of her, uh, the picture she has in the frame, is of a lady for me. It says. So it's like a, a female human. Okay. And then when you hit the photo, another photo comes out. It's of King Onion and Princess Tomato. So I feel like that implies that Lisa's mother is a farmy. Oh, okay. Who got an on with King Onion <laughs> and had her. <laughs> it's like a little secret origin there, which okay. they didn't want to include in the a English version, twist I guess. In yeah. The Kingdom? Wow. Yeah. That's going to be a... A heavily referenced part of the reboot that I'm working on. <laughs> so I think she's more like Princess Tomato's stepsister and not full sister. Mm. Which we're gonna do sense. we're gonna do like a full Bioware style <laughs> King Onion and a human lady sex scene. I, very good. Tasteful. I do love how they kind of hid that in the English version and called, and made a hidden picture a picture of Tom Cruise. <laughs> Where else in uh, NES game would you see a reference of Tom Cruise? Any Tom Cruise Days reference. of Thunder. That's it. That's basically. Well, it. I mean, that's a Tom Cruise film so <laughs> is he in that game or his likeness have to not. pay for that probably, <laughs> I'm guessing. he's definitely not in the top gun games oh no 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 way but yeah i mean uh contact fan gamer tell them nicely we want to give <laughs> are you we money. still on this yes uh i this is my goal jeremy i'm gonna take over this entire network with my evil demands i mean i guess everyone has their new year's resolutions yes so i mean this is all i'm yours. living for now please make me a happy man and i want to wear a percy shirt oh by the end of 2020 we sorry, do we do have the barman license Yes. So maybe we could do the Princess Tomato Bomber Woman. You're almost there. We're almost there. Yeah, we're one step away. <laughs> yes. So make it happen. Uh, make my wish come true. I will try my best. Please do. But thanks for listening to Retronauts. This has been our Princess Tomato episode. I hope I enlightened you with this uh, salad wisdom and uh, tomato knowledge. But as for us, we are Retronauts, and uh, we are supported by the Retronauts Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash retronauts, you can find out how to support the show. For only $3 a month, you can help uh, us out and pay for everything that we do and also get every episode a week at a time and add free and at a higher bit rate. And that's a great deal. I think it evens out to about 50 cents per episode. So please go to patreon.com slash retronauts to find out how to help the show. We'd appreciate it a lot. Uh, I will go last. Everybody else, what do you do? Where can we find you? And how can we uh, give you a hand? Jeremy. Hey, it's Jeremy Parrish. And you can find me on Twitter as GameSpite or on other places on the internet as Jeremy Parrish. It's very exciting. Check out my YouTube series. Uh, it doesn't have a name, but it's it's a series of series called Works, I guess. NES Works, Game Boy Works, Virtual Boy Works. I'm chronically, chronicling video game platforms year by year, game by game. It's weird and exciting, and I keep finding out strange new things about Virtual Boy. Join me on this mad endeavor. Nina. Hey, I'm Nina. Um, if you like Princess Tomato, like me, uh, please at me on Twitter at <laughs> Space Kairol. That's Space Kairi, but with an L at the end instead of an E. Uh, you can also find my stuff on fangamer.com. Go there, uh, go to collections and uh, select by artist and click on Space Coyote. You can see all the official uh, video game merch that I designed for Fangamer on there. Hopefully, Princess Tomato will go up on there someday. I also have a website at spacecoyote.com. Chris. I'm Chris Sims. Uh, you can find me on the bad website as at the ISB. That's T-H-E-I-S-B. You can also go to T-H-E-ISB.com and find links to most of the stuff I do, including a bunch of podcasts. I'm also a writer. Uh, I've written a bunch of comics for Marvel and self-published and independent comics as well. Uh, and if you want to hire me, to write that Princess Tomato reboot <laughs> with all the gritty action that today's modern audience craves. It's, it's, I can do it like the new God of War. I promise you. It's going to be very good. Oh, so you're like raising Percy as yeah. your little, your little Boy. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be Percy. Awesome. <laughs> but Percy's the exact same. Sorry, boss. Dropped <laughs> my stuff. So lots of naked orange ladies. Yes. Oh, man. Twice as many naked orange ladies as there are. There's got to be a reboot, a graphic novel, an animated series, a <laughs> uh, serial involved. I Live think. action film. Yeah. Please hire me as a key artist on that. Oh, yeah. okay. Look, if you, if you, we're just getting in touch. We'll do the work. <laughs> All, All right, right we'll talk. Of, the key to the success of this game is going to be the physics on the boomerang-like backhoe. <laughs> yeah. 
So patrons are now funding our Princess Tomato reboot, just so you know. No more podcasts. We're just going to be working on this and paying people to make it. But as for me, I've been uh, your host for this one, Bob Mackey. Find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I also do other podcasts for the Talking Simpsons Network. Go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to find out more. We do two podcasts over there, Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon. And they're all animation-based. I think you'll like them if you like hearing about old cartoons. If you like old games, you might like old cartoons, too. Who knows? But as for us, we'll see you soon with a new episode of Retronauts. Goodbye. The Mueller Report. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. President Trump was asked at the White House if special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation report should be released next week when he will be out of town. I guess uh, from what I understand, that will be totally up to the attorney general. Maine Susan Collins says she would vote for a congressional resolution disapproving of President Trump's emergency declaration to build a border wall, becoming the first Republican senator to publicly back it. In New York, the wounded supervisor of a police detective killed by friendly fire was among the mourners attending his funeral. Detective Brian Simonson was killed as officers started shooting at a robbery suspect last week. Commissioner James O'Neill was among the speakers today at Simonson's funeral. It's a tremendous weight to bear, knowing that your choices will directly affect the lives of others. But cops like Brian don't shy away from it. It's the very foundation of who they are and what they do. The robbery suspect and a man police say acted as his lookout have been charged with murder. I'm Ed Donahue.